welcome to my 90s playlist. This is a podcast about the hits of the 90s. Yes, and we are looking at what made our favorite songs so popular back then and why we still love them now. I am Tracy, a.k.a. Young Whomever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm a Koto, a.k.a. Cocaine. Oh. Co-operator. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You may also refer to me as Tracy Clayton Hanks because um, once I marry Tom Hanks, I'm going to hyphenate. So I figured I should start practicing now. Manifest. With the name. You know, I'm just trying. Manifest. I'm just trying. So in each episode, we're going to do a deep dive on one of our favorite songs from the 90s. I'm talking about the lyrics, the music, how each song came to be, all of that. And we'll look at the effects each of these songs had on the world. We'll do some games. Mm. We'll do some interviews. Damn. And above all, we will play and celebrate the songs that we love. We need to get boy bands on this mixtape. So let's add I Want It That Way by a little group known as the Backstreet Boys. Are you familiar? 100%. Is this a quiz? Yes. Should I do this right now? Yes. Go. Brian. Okay. Nick. Okay. Kevin. Okay. AJ. Right. My boo. Ooh. And Howie. Um. So, Okoto, I've got some news for you. Um, Talk about it. I, too, was and still am in love with AJ, so. Rude. That's Looks my man. Like Always has we're going to have to throw down in the parking lot. Let's do it. All, All right. right. But later, though. Okay. First, let's listen to the jam. Yeah. You are my fire, the one desire. I want it that way But we are two worlds apart Can't reach to your heart When you say that I want it that way Tell me Stop to say that this song still snaps. It, I'm not mad it's not at it. Good. Can I walk you through some Backstreet Boys numbers? Yep. I'm ready. Okay. I want stats. So a thing that I didn't really realize until I like really sat with this song is that the Backstreet Boys have been making music since the year 1993. Uh-huh. Impressive on its own. But mm-hmm. they are still active to this day. To this day? To this day. How many years is that since 1993? 27. Oh my gosh. First of all, impressive. Thank you. That was very quick. Thank you. Second of all, that's a long time to do anything. That's 30 years. That's 30 yeah, years. That's and they're still in there, still mm-hmm. going strong. The Backstreet Boys have sold over 100 million records worldwide, making them the best-selling boy band of all time and one of the world's best-selling music artists, period. That's wild. 100, 100 million, million is a lot of records. That sounds like a fake statistic. But That's it's like not. Mariah status. That is like all time, like when the aliens come down to Earth and find like the torn rubble of our civilization, <laughs> they're going to be going through the records and be like, 100 million records? Why the fuck is there so many Backstreet Boy records out there? <laughs> 
all in a rubble. Were they gods? Were they the president? Right. Exactly. Also, more statistics. I got Mm -hmm. some more. They're the first group since Led Zeppelin to have their first 10 albums reach the top 10 on the Billboard 200. Now, I realize I just threw a lot of numbers at you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take it back. Okay. Since Led Zeppelin, they are the only group to have their first 10 albums, right? Mm-hmm. On the top 10 on the Billboard 200. That's wild. That is... And also, side note, uh-huh. I just love, like, how many different ways you can, like, cut Billboard stats. It's like right. the first female rapper <laughs> to ever have a number one single on, on the a Billboard Saturday, 35. <laughs> right, on the 35, and also on the hip-hop and rock chart. Right. Simultaneously. It's That's very real. fun. It is I, a lot of fun. I feel like... If we keep that logic up in some way, we can get a billboard statistic of our own. Like Listen, we were the first non-musical, musical, non-act to podcast about musical acts who had right. uh, been on the billboard charts 10 times in 10 years. For the cetera, billboard 200. Right. Exactly. On a Wednesday. You're right. You're right. So um, the group has received eight Grammy Award nominations as of 2019, including four nominations in 2000 alone. They have also received Damn. two American Music Awards. Seven Billboard Music Awards, two MTV Video Music Awards, a Juno Award, which is like the Canadian Grammys, Mm -hmm. and so many others. This isn't even all of their awards. That's wild. The group received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on April 22nd, 2013. They were on an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which Mm -hmm. I just wanted to shout out to, uh, 1998. Good show. It was a good show. I believe you. I appreciate it. And the song was also voted number three on VH1's list of the greatest songs from all of the 90s. I feel like they've been on every list I've ever read, like whether it's like Rolling Stone or mm-hmm. Billboard of, of like top three best pop songs of the decade, yeah. millennium, whatever, whatever. It's a good song. Plus that song was everywhere. The group was everywhere, but this song in particular was everywhere. Yeah. And like, Ubiquitous, if you You will. think that like their previous hits were big hits? Like mm-hmm. so many songs. Mm-hmm. And like this one eclipsed like they're already super, super big songs. Mm-hmm. So some more stuff that we should consider when we talk about the Backstreet Boys is uh-huh. like, well, I think when people think about boy bands, they think a lot about like the manager, like the central figure that like mm. sort of got them all together. And it's true for many of them that there was like one person who was like really important in their development. Right. But there was another really important person that was a part of these groups' development and okay. that is the producer. Many records have many different producers, but a lot of these boy bands, including the Backstreet Boys, had many songs done by one producer. In the Backstreet Boys case, it was Max Martin. Um, Max Martin. Yes, Max Martin. Max Martin is the producer for the Backstreet Boys and for the boy bands in the 90s. He just produced hit after hit after hit. He is like at the center of all of the 90s boy band success. Mm -hmm. So he produced and also wrote many of these, right? Yes. Okay. You know... At least fifteen or twenty of his songs. He's literally written to everyone. Yes, he's he did "Hit Me Baby One More Time." Backstreet Boys, I want it that way, of course. He mm. did in sync records. He was everywhere. 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 He's worked with Celine Dion. What? Kelly Clarkson, Pink, Jesse J, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and many, many more. So everybody. Pretty much. He has co-written 22 Billboard Hot 100s. That's a lot. The second most in history. 
only behind Beatles producer George Martin. The Beatles? I told you he was a big deal. That's the Beatles. I know. I told you he was a big That's deal. That's wild. Um, we're going to get to Max much more a little later, mm-hmm. but Tracy. Oh, the terseness on I it. think that like we have to address the elephant in the room here, mm-hmm. which is that we're talking about boy bands and right. most of the most successful ones, the ones that were putting up numbers like 100 million records sold mm-hmm. and raking up all these Grammys. Had a little in common. Yeah. They was white. They were white. They, they, <laughs> they was white. <laughs> but there were other boy bands that had come before the Backstreet Boys. Right. One in particular, New Edition. Yeah. You love them. Yes. Candy Girl came out in 1983. It's a huge, huge, huge hit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't really propel them to, like, massive stardom. Right, Um, right. And their producer, the guy at the center of their development, Mm -hmm. his dude named Marie Starr, after things didn't work out with Marie Starr and New Edition, he was basically like, I need to do this again, Mm -hmm. but with some white dudes. And he actually said, and I quote, I honestly believe that if they, they being New Edition, Mm -hmm. would have been white, they would have been 20 times as big. Dang. So guess who Marie Starr went and got to do the new edition thing? Who? New Kids on the Block. <gasps> no. Who are like literally the blu- the, also the blueprint for all these other white boy bands right. to follow them. So technically, we got Bobby Brown and Ralph Tresman to thank uh-huh. for the Backstreet Boys. Wow. Because... In sync. Yeah, and exactly. All and all of them. So, Koda, what you're saying is, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. new edition, black group, Mm-hmm. Did amazingly well. Mm-hmm. The blueprint for this white group mm-hmm. who knew kids on the block, who then went on to sell 80 million records. Yep. Wonder why one did better than the other. <sighs> so curious. Can't figure. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Figure it out. Hmm. Um, So basically, let's put it like this, right? Uh New Edition was popular in the 80s and early 90s, and they were especially important and seminal to Black culture and black music and yes they made some money over time but new kids on the block enjoyed instant mainstream success and they are still making millions today their last tour in 2017 grossed 40 fucking million dollars oof i saw that but i mean shout out to the aunties like myself who still go home and take off the bras and then twirl to all the new additions moral of the story is support black boy bands. <laughs> yes they are an endangered breed <laughs> One of my favorite things about boy bands, I do believe, is how, A, all of the successful ones have five members. Mm-hmm. And each of those five members have an assigned archetype. And that those archetypes can pretty much be tracked from boy group to boy group. This right? is so fun. I can't wait to oh my go gosh. through this exercise. Can I walk you through the archetypes? Okay. So number one, mm-hmm. you have like the heartthrob slash the sweet one, mm-hmm. right? And this mm-hmm. is the person that you think about as like the face mm-hmm. of the group, per se, like the one who's like most likely to go solo. And when you think of like the lead singers, kind of the one that you think about, mm-hmm. usually a former model and usually the one who's in the group to like draw like the screams out of the teenage girls who like follow them around and chase them when they're getting on planes like they did in the the video I get it okay right 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 
and in the Backstreet Boys, this would be Nick, right? Interesting. Do you do you agree? I always thought that it was Brian hmm. because Brian to me looked more like a man boy instead of just a boy. <laughs> I don't I'm know. not a man. I mean. Nick couldn't even grow facial hair at, Not at quite the time. Not a man you know boy. I mean, you know what? Fair. <laughs> Too clean of a face. Um, um, I, I hear this I hear this you argument. You know what I'm saying? I do so, hear this argument. But I, I'll take it for what it is. And okay. also, Brian literally started nearly every single song that they came out with. Fair. I thought he was the lead singer. Fair. But okay. let's move on. Well, speaking of Brian, Brian mm-hmm. is generally considered to fill the role, generally now, of the cute one, right? And the cute one is kind of mm. like the second lead singer, as I do believe one of our... Uh, <laughs> One of our sister and Destiny's child <laughs> would say, uh-huh. he's cute, he's attractive, but not as like sexually threatening as the lead is. Okay, and uh, he's kind of meant as like a foil to the bad boy that we're going to talk about. Oh, I see. Here in a okay. few seconds, right? I mean, so, I stand by the fact that like if you're yeah. going to have somebody, if you're going to call somebody sexually threatening, they're going to need to have some facial hair. Like I just, <laughs> I feel very strongly about that. But I, hey, whatever. I'm going to make some notes. Here. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Facial whatever. hair. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So we got the cute one, we got the heartthrob, we just mentioned the bad boy. So the bad boy, I think, is um, the one that we're fighting about, AJ. Mm -hmm. AJ is the rebel. He's a little, like, he's got a rougher edge to him. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe he wears, like, a leather jacket. Oh, my God. He got on a leather jacket. He did. He was the only one that, like, wore. I'm pretty sure. Like, I just remember him in, like, dark clothes in general because he had the dark hair. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have a tattoo, Mm -hmm. probably some form of, like, tribal tattoo Mm -hmm. or barbed wire considering the time of origin. He also had an incredibly aggressive goatee. I loved. uh, Yeah. May, is that why I'm into goatees to this And day? it was, like, sharp. Like, them lines. It was. was like, and like, AJ's whole barber. face was just, like, angled. Just, yeah. like, carved up yep. and chiseled. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. It's just so, yep. so beautiful. Shout out to AJ. Shout out to AJ. Hey, AJ. Okay. So Sorry. don't make me call your husband yeah, you're Okoto. Right. You're right. You're Thank right. you. You're right. Hey, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the bad boy. Uh-huh. There's also the older brother, quote unquote. He's still accessible mm-hmm. to the screaming girl clientele. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the one you would go to for like boy advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I see so to, clearly who this how is. How to talk to AJ. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> also, um, can you imagine being the older brother of a boy band and like screaming girls are coming at you a mile a minute and all they want to talk about is, yo, no. what's good with your boy AJ? I can't. I can't. Like, what's up? Like, should I, should I text? Should I call? Like, how do I, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do I do this? Like, what would you recommend? I would put myself up for adoption. Yeah, you got to quit after Like, that. I'm not trying to like, I'm out. Yeah. That's it. However, shout out to Kevin, the older brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have the shy one. The shy one is, uh, you know, kind of like the quiet one. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little nerdier than the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. He He's... I, I say this with love in my heart, right? Uh-huh. Because I feel like if I were in a boy band, this uh-huh. is who I would be. Right. It's kind of like the person who you're like, okay, I see you here, but like, what you doing here? You right. know, like, how do you how do you fit in with the rest of the group? That right. Would, that's how I self-identify. Is, is like, right. what, what no, am no, I doing I here? Think you that, know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. I also feel like this person had fewer amount of devotees. Yeah. That might be true. Like, I think so. Of everybody who had favorites, they probably right. had. But see, that's just because nobody understands us, the quiet ones, the, I mean, the shy I agree. ones, you know? I agree. I agree. Also, we're not, we're not out here in the streets looking for all this attention because right. it makes us kind of uncomfortable, you know? They even want that. We don't take compliments very well. Right. When I say we, I'm talking about me and myself. Right. <laughs> just kind of how I am. Right. And that was Howie, of course. Of course, Howie, one. whose uh-huh. hair was just so cute. He had the little curly ponytail. Adorable. And he was just so earnest. Yes. Just a lot of earnestness so in the face. Earnest. There you go. You know? There you go. I feel like if this was like a teen movie from the 90s, 
the shy one would be the one who like emerges from the shadows after yes. the girl gets dumped by AJ. Yes. Right. And he's like, well, I always thought you were kind of cool. And it's just like, oh, my God. Should and I like, date Howie? Howie's the one you should marry. True, Of course. Yeah, of you course. should actually marry He's going to be better to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howie doesn't mind being a stay-at-home dad. No. He doesn't mind at all. You know what it is about the Howies? What? <laughs> Talk to me about the Howies. It was almost like they didn't want to be in the group. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, take it or leave it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. Like, all right, I'm about to do this for two albums. Yeah. And like, maybe I'll open a laundromat. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I just don't. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Right, exactly. Like, Hmm. I like hanging out with my brothers. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to. The Howie. I'm not trying to do this. So we have gone over the five archetypes. Mm -hmm. And for boy bands, like, the idea is, like, it does not work unless there's five people. To the point that Mm -hmm. when Kevin left the Backstreet Boys, remember Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. They kept trying to get him back. So even though he left, he still didn't really leave. You know, like, he would, like, pop up for, like, important performances. Like, there was one on Oprah. When Oprah wants something from you, you better resurrect right. yourself from you whatever decide to come back you wherever you decide from. Right. Yeah. And then he officially rejoined in 2010. So this idea that, like, the Backstreet Boys didn't work unless they had these five archetypes was just, like, it was a thing that That's people really, really believed really in. Really interesting, yeah. What I love is that K-pop saw this and was like, okay, let's just run with this. Oh, right. So what you're saying is that, like, so instead of having one bad boy... We it's gotta just have like, three. Yeah. So now we got fifteen. So if we got three right. bad boys, and we have to have three older brothers and three. You have a bad boy buffet, if you will. And also this a way, bad like boy buffet, <laughs> if you will. I might give him the day. <laughs> but like the idea behind it is like the more members you have, the more archetypes you have, the more mm-hmm. marketability you have. Mm-hmm. And it's overwhelming, but also very, very smart. Yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna try to get into K pop a little bit. We little should bit. have a K pop party. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay, so while we are abroad, right. I think it's important to discuss Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys is? Backstreet Boys is (laughs) European connection, right? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I'm going to answer a mystery for Uh you and other listeners about the name of Backstreet Boys' second album. So just stand by. Stand by. Just roll with me. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Come with me on this journey. All right. Okay. So Backstreet Boys made it big abroad before coming to the U.S., right? Okay. Um, They released their first self-titled album in 1996 but did not release it in the U.S. or Canada. Huh. I did not know that. You might remember a song from this album called I'll Never Break Your Heart. I'll Never Break Your Heart reached gold status in Germany, mm-hmm. selling 250,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were also voted number one international group in 1996. What? Only people who knew Backstreet Boys at this point were like people in Orlando who just happened to be at like wow. Old Town Buffet and like this group. <laughs> of course. I don't know if one does. <laughs> I don't know if Old Town Buffet has a stage, but when Backstreet Boys was all in Orlando trying to get it together, I imagine that those are the venues they had access to. Stand by. So. They were named number one international group in mm-hmm. 1996 okay. and earned their first platinum record in Germany after selling 500,000 copies of their debut album. Then they began touring in Asia and like they were big mm-hmm. everywhere else except for here. That's well. Follow me now, right? Mm-hmm. So they have their self-titled album, Backstreet Boys. Right. But now they're ready to come to the U.S. So they start a new album called Backstreet's Back. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh. 
Ooh, not okay, to us. Okay, we're okay. like, back from where? Where y'all been? But to all their gazillion international fans, they're like, oh. yeah, y'all back. We miss you. So, Back She's Back, their next album and the name of the single. Uh-huh. That came out one day in August, mm-hmm. and it was released everywhere except for the U.S. The next day, though, mm-hmm. they released Backstreet's Back, the album, in the U.S., and it is a mix of songs mm-hmm. from Backstreet's Back and from their first album that Americans had never heard. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? I see. I do see. you follow me? I'm following. Are yeah, you yeah, with yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So now do you get why the album was named Backstreet's Back, even I do. though we ain't know nothing about a Backstreet Boy? Because they had been out here. We exactly. just didn't know that they was exactly. out here. Exactly. Because as Americans, we are so hyper-focused on us being the first in yes, the exactly. end-all, be-all. And I personally thought the song was pretty arrogant. I was like... I mean, honestly, me Backstreet's too. back. Like, what? I was like, how dare you? Right. I don't even know where you're That's like from. me walking into a room I've never been in before. Like, all right, y'all. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I know you miss me. Right? Okay. The reason why so many groups went abroad and then came back is because there was a way that they could gain international popularity before mm-hmm. coming back to the States and sort of having that cachet as right. being a popular band before they try to make it big here. And it begs the question, like, why could boy bands just go overseas and make a lot of money so easily? That's a Um, good-ass question. And the answer is that Europeans just thought Americans were really cool. Um, Thanks, guys. But Jennifer J. Moose, she's a sociologist. Okay. Here's what she wrote in her book, Is It Because It's Cool? Effective Encounters with American Culture. Ooh. Americanness was primarily established through visual allusions to American culture in the band's earlier videos, especially allusions to sports culture and American settings. To their fans, the Backstreet Boys were cool because they were different, i.e. American. Oh. And so this became known as like a thing, mm-hmm. the European formula. If it doesn't work in the States, go abroad, gain your popularity, come back and use that as a launching pad to start your own fan bases here. That's Um, why my music career hasn't taken off yet. Right. I gotta go to Europe. Exactly. And so by the time Backstreet came back to us, Uh they were already known as, quote unquote, the biggest selling boy band in the world. Wow. And so it kind of worked. If you think about it, it kind of felt like you missed something, right? Like, I mean, yeah. You're like, oh, I didn't know about this thing. Yeah. I guess everybody else did. Yeah, clearly been somewhere. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now. Right. Right. Stay with me. What's, oh. Because they were abroad... They were working with European producers, and Max Martin, if I failed to mention earlier, is Swedish. Oh, gertie, gertie, gertie. That's my <laughs> Swedish chef. Impression. I literally never even heard. I... Work, work, work. <laughs> You've never heard the Swedish chef talk? Who? No. From the Muppets? No, I'm sorry. He used to throw all the fish? I'm sorry. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassing okay. you. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uncomfortable. Um, so Max Martin, who wrote all these hits, him and his co-producer, Andreas Carlson, wrote I Want It That Way. And any of us who are fans of the song, we just can't ignore that, like, mm, shit don't really make a lot of sense. It don't. Or maybe it does, and we just it we don't. just don't know what Backstreet Boys <laughs> are trying to do. But the reason why is because, or it was attributed to Max Martin's poor English. Now at I feel time, bad. I feel bad. At the time. I feel pretty right? bad. Mm-hmm. His co-producer, Andreas Carlson, said, the lyrics to the verse made absolutely no sense in combination with the chorus. Ultimately, the song itself doesn't really make sense. And he attributed that to Max's poor English skills at the time. Uh-huh. Okay. So I think we should just sing a couple of lines. <clears throat> um, I, I'm, with, I'm with all of this. What if, we, what if we deliver the first verse and the chorus as if it were a spoken word piece? 
too much. I would like to see you do it. <clears throat> I would like to see it, says Monique. <laughs> him, him, him. Peace, 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 everybody. I go by the name of, uh, what's my spoken word name? Oh, wait, I got it. I, I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. I hate it. I hate it. I just want you to know that I hate it. Okay. I say it. Peace, 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 everybody. I go by the name of Diamond uh, Ruff. Oh, God. Diamond N.D. Ruff. Oh, God. The N.D. stands for uh, Diamond Natalie Desiree. <laughs> Diamond N.D. Ruff. Okay, let me hear what you got. <clears throat> okay, just got to find my chakras and line them up with the ancestors. You are my fire. Mm. The one desire. Believe me when I say I want it that way. Mm-hmm. But we are two worlds apart. Can't reach to your heart when you say that I want it that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Way. This is very funny. Uh-huh. But I actually think it makes the song make sense. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's just read it because I don't even understand how. Because like. <laughs> In a poem, in a spoken word poem, you never know what the fuck they're talking about anyway. That's very fair and very true. <laughs> so, like... You're right. You're yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Before we wrap up and head out, we're going to do our closing segment called Put Me On. And this is where one of us puts the other one on to a song that they like. Okay, Tracy. So, after I re-listened to I Want It That Way and watched the video 711 billion times... Uh-huh. What should I play next? Okay, I don't know if you have seen this clip that has gone viral online. It is Lizzo Mm -hmm. singing Juice with Harry Styles. Now, here's how I arrived at Mm -hmm. this particular song. Mm -hmm. Talking about boy bands, Mm -hmm. One Direction, Mm -hmm. huge boy band, Mm -hmm. Harry Styles Mm -hmm. out here doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Harry Styles Mm -hmm. on stage with Lizzo. But the thing of it is, it's so cute because he's doing like he's got like a little choreography, like he's got like his little arms in the just air. Just a little bit, not just a lot. A bit. Okay, it's just like okay, a little choreography, okay. and it's just so cute to see him like I don't know, just on stage having fun with a black girl who's also just on stage having fun. I love it. It's just like a nice little injection of joy. Thank y'all so much. I cannot wait to watch that video. Thank you, Tracy. You're very welcome. Um, very we'll welcome. be back next week to add another track to our mixtape here mm-hmm. on my 90s playlist. It was fun. See y'all next time. Bye. Bye. My 90s Playlist is a Sony Music Podcast. The show is hosted by me, Tracy Clayton, and Okoto Oforiata, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver, editor is Brandon Grugel, and executive producers are Tracy Clayton and Amanda McLaughlin. A special thank you to the artists, their managers, and everyone at Sony Music who made this podcast possible. For a full list of show credits, please visit My90sPlaylist.com. You can find a playlist of the songs from and inspired by our show by searching My 90s Playlist wherever you stream your music. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe and be sure to tell your friends. That is the best way to help us grow. Thanks for listening.